Hey, Kev, let's let's follow this trail over here. This looks like there might be something waiting down there. All right. Hey, wait a minute. Do you hear that? Yeah, I thought it was just me. What the heck is that? I don't know what that is. Whoa, do you smell that, too? That's unbelievable. Hey, look. What the? Hey, look, those, those branches are moving over there. What the heck is that? Holy cow, is that what I think it is? Look at that thing. It, oh my god. It's a freaking Sasquatch. Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters podcast. I am your host, W.J. Sheehan, author of the series of books, Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters, 10 volumes, available in paperback, ebook, and Kindle format at Amazon.com and the same 10 volumes available in audio format at Audible. So Christmas is coming, folks. Buy a couple of copies, give them as gifts, put them in your boots. (laughs) 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 Do whatever you want with them, but buy some. (laughs) (laughs) And and, uh, without any further (laughs) delay. Easy for you to say. Yeah, easy for me to say, Kevin. Without any further delay, <laughs> may I introduce you to my brother and co-host, K.J. Sheehan. Kev, how are you? I don't know. That's a tough act to follow. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is live, folks. Whatever happens, happens. happens yeah. <laughs> no, it's, uh, I'm doing all right. It's getting chilly here. It's uh, down in North Carolina. It is sunny outside, but it's blustery and chilly and just getting to be wintertime. Yeah. Well, that's it. You know, we got blue sky. I was looking up at the sky last night. The moon is about, you know, almost full. Probably the next two, three days it'll be full up and just uh, yeah, really you see nice. Jupiter right next to it, too. Fantastic. Yeah, it's yeah. just a beautiful sight, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we make the best of these times of year, right? I always look forward to the 21st of December when I know we're gaining a minute a day of daylight. Yeah, that's on my uh, little electronic watch. I have uh, sunrise and sunset, Mm -hmm. you know, each day. And uh, not that I'm so focused on it, but I do love it when it starts to, the days get a little longer on December 22nd. Yeah, yeah. Just, uh, you can really start to measure the difference. It's a marker, you know? Absolutely, 100%. (laughs) I like it. Yeah, so, Kev, what do we have in our cryptids in the news and other oddities segment today? Yeah, we're going to go to uh, some creepy legends or a creepy legend. Okay, we like creep. You get a little creep on. I got a a couple of creeps in the neighborhood. Ah, there you go. (laughs) Hopefully you don't have this one in the neighborhood. But we're going to talk about the legend of Spearfinger. Spearfinger? Yeah. Wow. And uh, this creature, or I should say witch, Ugh. 
However, folks, no witches were harmed in the making of this podcast. <laughs> Not yet, anyway. And, and our <laughs> PSA and <laughs> public service announcement is, we understand that there are good witches and bad witches. Um, I will let you judge whether this is a good witch or a bad witch. How's that for being neutral? Well, with a name like Spearfinger. <laughs> yeah, I know how it's going <laughs> to end. Know, I mean, come on, man. I know how it's going to end. <laughs> but this witch is from the Cherokee Nation in okay. western North Carolina. Okay. So it's said to have lived along the eastern side of Tennessee and the western part of North Carolina. So right there in the Blue Ridge Mountains here in our state of North Kakalaki. <laughs> and in the Cherokee language, its name, this is going to be tough, was Utlunta. Utlunta. Utlanta. Utlanta. And Utlanta is actually Cherokee for, get this, the one with the pointed spear. Wow. And this witch basically got this name because her right forefinger resembles a spear or a knife. And she uses it to cut her victims. Nice. So, so much for the good witch or bad witch. We well, know where you know, this I, is going. <laughs> I wanted to appear that, you know, I didn't want to judge. I'm sure we'll get some letters saying that she was actually a good witch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, I will tell you, not yet, but there will be a point in this discussion where there will be a parental warning because it gets a little brutal. Well, you know, she'd be good to have around at Thanksgiving if you didn't have a knife. She could exactly. carve the turkey exactly. with her finger. And by the way, if you look into her face, her mouth is stained with blood <laughs> from the human livers that she's eaten. Uh, you sure it's not the Revlon lipstick? No, not <laughs> lipstick. But again, maybe they were donating their livers to her. She could have been a good witch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and she's also known by a name which I'm not even going to attempt but it translates to stone dress for hmm. her stone-like skin. Hmm. Attractive woman. Yep. <laughs> and, and then they talk about the fact that often she clutches her right hand tightly and hides it, tries to hide her spear finger. Uh-huh. Now, some folks in the legend say that that's because she's trying to hide her identity, right? Because she's feared as this witch. Um, and others say that she's hiding her heart or her only, like, Achilles heel. Huh. All right. Interesting, yeah? Just as- <clears throat> and then when she walks, being made of stone, she sounds like thunder. And she crushes rocks into the ground when she steps on them. Wow. Yeah, what a and freaking- the Cherokee say that her voice echoes down the mountains to the Cherokee villages and scares the birds of the forest away. Wow. So, does that remind you of scaring birds away? How far back does this legend go, Kev? Oh, a few hundred years. Wow. Yeah. Freaking Blue Ridge Mountains. Makes you want to go for a little hike, doesn't it? Well, you know. (laughs) Just be careful if you start hearing those thundering footsteps. Could be the hairy man, could be Spearfinger. I don't know which one I want. Yeah. <laughs> and in, in Tennessee, eastern Tennessee, Spearfinger was believed to enjoy 
walking along a trail that joins the Chiloe Mountain and nearby Little Tennessee River. She said that she's said to have also walked throughout the mountain range, around streams, and through shadowy Nantahala River passes. Huh. The Cherokee say her favorite home is Whiteside, or Thunder Mountain. So well, get this, Bill. Go ahead. <laughs> Dancing in the clouds, she sang her favorite song with her friend the Raven. All right, I'm going to do my best Cherokee song here. Liver I eat, Susai say. Liver I eat, Susai say. She's fond of liver, obviously, you know. Human liver. Yeah, good for iron. Nice and warm. Not because it was cooked. Uh. Because she tore it from your chest. <laughs> Oh, my God. So if that's not enough for you, Bill, besides having this spear as a finger, she's able to shapeshift into family members of her child victims. Uh, here we go again with the shapeshifters. Yep. And once she makes herself part of her victim's world, she lacks the ability to change her form while still in anyone else's sight. Spearfinger often disguises herself in the form of a harmless old lady. Mm. Yeah. Where have we heard that before? Exactly. And then uh, there's a story here, too, which is pretty interesting, that she built a huge stone structure that there's remnants of today. So she built a great rock bridge through the air, or they called it the tree rock. On the Hiwasi, over to Sangalaji, which is Whiteside Mountain, located on the Blue Ridge. Mm. This structure irritated the higher beings because it came too close to their upper world. Higher beings saw her effort as arrogant, like man's Bible story of the Tower of Babel. So they struck it with lightning. In the 19th century, Cherokee pointed out the location where they claim the ruins of Spearfinger's tree rock remain even today. They named the area along the mountain of Hiwasahi and Valley of Nantahala. The site of these remains in Blount County is called Ultalundi, which means <laughs> the Spearfinger Place. <laughs> Kevin, Kevin, you, you got like your hands that? full. You got your hands full today. I, yeah, especially, uh, <laughs> especially without warming up on Cherokee uh, <laughs> pronunciation today. <laughs> but I did sing the liver eating song. I want points for that. That was excellent. <laughs> you may get a recording of the liver eating song for Christmas. Maybe we can cut it with a little organ and uh, accompaniment or something, you know? Yeah, a little uh, fugue music. <laughs> the liver-eating song, and the one, and the two, and the three. And let's sing the song to Krampus. <laughs> it's the season for a little liver-eating Krampus. <laughs> remember remember uh, uh, Lawrence Welk? Oh, uh, yeah. 
the Lawrence Welk show, you know, he'd always have some people dancing around with the bubbles and the orchestra. He'd always say, and the one, and the two, and the three, <laughs> and the orchestra would start playing. <laughs> I got to look up a little bit of that on YouTube. <laughs> It was such a drag, man. I remember. Oh, I hated was, that show. Mom, yeah, yeah. mom and dad used to make us watch it, and it was like, oh, yeah. I my remember goodness. when it came on. I was like, oh god, oh, here we no, go, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so here's where the parental warning is inserted. So if you're listening to this podcast with some little ones around the campfire, you may want to cover their ears because this gets a little brutal. Do I have to listen to it? You do. <laughs> I'm if a you little have nightmares, one. That'll be a bonus. <laughs> and remember, no witches were harmed in this podcast. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> so her most dangerous attribute, Miss Spearfinger, is deception. Uh-huh. Appearing to be harmless and trustworthy, hiding her identity and powers while luring unsuspecting children. All right. Uh-huh. Sometimes an old woman would approach along the trail where the children were picking strawberries or playing near the village and would say to them coaxingly, Come, my grandchildren, come to your granny and let granny dress your hair. Hmm. When some little girl ran up and laid her head on the old woman's lap to be petted and combed, the old witch would gently run her fingers through the child's hair until it fell asleep. Then she would stab the little one through the heart or back of the neck with her long all finger, Ugh. which she kept hidden under her robe. Then she would take out the liver and eat it. Mm. Mm. How's that? Perfect. Happy little story. <laughs> What a creep. (laughs) Liver I eat, suicide. (laughs) Sing it. Sing it, brother. (laughs) Bring it home. So, Bill, that is the creep fest story of Stonefinger. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Oh, my God. Spearfinger. So what do you think? Good witch, bad witch? I know it's Uh, borderline. Definitely bad. (laughs) You know, uh, it's 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 amazing to me again the introduction to shapeshifter into the conversation. I know, right away, we're right there with the shapeshifter. Yep, and the same old story of this luring of, in this case, children uh, out uh, to itself. You know, for nefarious reasons. You know. Yeah, and it's interesting to me how these. The same or similar stories, uh, legends, are prevalent in a number of different uh, tribes uh, around North America. And, you know, obviously these people didn't know each other going back many, many years. Uh, If you were in, uh, you know, Alberta, Canada, or you were in... uh, Cackalacka, as you call it, <laughs> North North Carolina or Blue Ridge Mountains, wherever you were. These these people didn't know each other. How did these weird legends come to be about similar uh, entities drawing, uh, in particular, children out? No, I'm with you. By the way, I have to correct you. It's Cackalacky. 
Oh, Kakalaki. North Kakalaki. <laughs> I'm not even going to ask where that we came from. We say that affectionately. Yeah, well, let me tell you something. If you find out you got some North Kakalaki, you better go to the ER quick. <laughs> <laughs> Dial 911. I got North Kakalaki. Come and get me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. The spear finger. <laughs> uh, Kev, you know, you got to go for a hike over there and see if you could find the location of this stone stairway. Yeah, we can do that. Unbelievable. The remnants of the stone tree. The stone tree. <laughs> oh, boy, oh, boy. I'll go at night, of course. I'll try to way, bring a good witch with me. By the way, folks, you know, we hope you all had a good... Uh, Thanksgiving, uh, Kevin and I talked about. Kevin was out smoking. Hey, Kev, that bird you smoked looked bodacious. Yeah, it was delicious. Wow. And My experiment you... this year, folks, was smoking a turkey. Yeah, no, that that looked really good. Uh, Don't get that... me wrong. I didn't roll it up and smoke it. I put it in the grill. <laughs> yeah, smoked turkey. <laughs> I smoked that turkey. I was plumb out of my mind. <laughs> I thought I was Spearfinger. <laughs> <laughs> I started singing some song about eating liver. Oh, I don't I, know what I was had going a on. craving for liver. <laughs> <laughs> Where's that turkey's liver? <laughs> you wasted it. You threw the liver away. <laughs> I was oh, out digging my. in the garbage can looking for that liver. <laughs> Oh my God! <laughs> <coughs> yeah, somebody, somebody probably tuned into this podcast for the first time, Kevin. They're saying like, "What the freak is this? Bigfoot yeah. terror in the woods? This guy's Smoking a joker!" Smoking turkeys, Smoking turkeys and spear fingers. Oh my God! Well, this is the way it goes, folks. It's and all Kev- good because Bill's going to take us out to see the hairy man now. Yeah, and uh, you know this sighting, Kev. Uh, just reminds me once again of how casually things can occur when it comes to encountering uh, a Bigfoot. Uh, it's typically, it's almost all the time, right? Completely unexpected. You're doing what you've done in many cases, something that you've done many times before, and suddenly the creature presents itself. And this following sighting was shared with me by a guy named Tom Flynn, a resident of Ontario, Canada. Uh, Yet again, proving to me that Ontario is in fact a hotspot for Sasquatch activity. Now, this is what Tom had to say. It was in the summer of 2017, Bill, not too long ago, folks, when I had hiked into the shore of Lake Skookog to do a little fishing. I had a light backpack with me containing my hip waders and a bite to eat, as well as my rod and some lures, and that was it. This lake is a place which I am well familiar with, having worked its shoreline dozens, if not hundreds, of times in the past. So I was hiking down to an area one of many, where there is some grass growing in the shallows, where the fish tend to hide, 
as well as being a place where the predators can find minnows and the like to eat. Along the shoreline to the east, maybe three or four hundred yards, begins a lily patch on the water's surface, also growing in the shallows along the lake's edge. Now, in order to bring you into the picture, as you approach the spot where I was going to put my waders on and enter into the shallows and the grass, there is a very old and large tree to the left side of me. I would say the tree's diameter is close to two feet, with brush running right up to the sides of it. The lake was completely flat and calm that day, there being not so much as a hint of a breeze. Its appearance was like that of a mirror. I had laid my pack down, leaning it against this tree, and pulling my waders out of it was putting them on and trying not to fall on my butt in the process. Anyone who has ever put waders on can relate totally to what I just said. My back had been to the water as I did this, and I set my rod up to fish. And having turned around, there was some ripples rolling down the shore from my left, the direction of the lily patch's location. I thought there must be some swans or something swimming that had created this little wake in the water. The only other thing it could have been was a large fish, but I hadn't heard anything like a splash. I had taken maybe only two steps while turning my head to look in the direction of the lily patch when I saw a large figure walking in it, the water being, say, two to three feet in that area as it was in front of me now. I knew immediately that it was a Sasquatch. Of that, there was no doubt in my mind. And so I gently took the two steps backward, now using the big tree for cover. Again, I was three or four hundred yards away from this creature, and its back was being was towards me when I had sighted it. Even at that kind of yardage, it was a massive beast to behold, three times the dimensions of a man's body at the same distance to my eyes. It hadn't seen me or heard me, as I was now peeking along the side of the tree and keeping a close eye on its movements. <laughs> Good idea. It was wading around in the lilies with its head leaning downward its focus being on the water below, and I was wondering just what the heck it was doing. It was, in fact, its movements in the water that had been creating the wake that I had seen rolling down the shoreline in the first place. The thought had entered into my mind as to whether or not it was a good choice to even stay where I was, with such a large monster being in relatively close proximity to me. And if it hadn't done what I saw and quickly, I would have left. So as I'm watching, the Sasquatch stops walking and leaning forward reaches down, extending its arm into the water, pulling up a large turtle. I knew immediately that it was a snapper based on my seeing the long neck and head out of the shell. 
This snapper looked to be close to 50 centimeters, which is a really big one. And the Sasquatch was holding it in its left hand, moving it around and looking at it. Now, if you've never been up close to a snapping turtle, you don't want to get close to its jaws. It could take your finger off with ease and in a flash. And yet this beast was flipping it around, examining it in its hand. It started to walk towards the shore, holding the turtle out and away from its body. As I could see the snapper darting its head around, trying to bite him, when suddenly the beast stopped. With a couple of quick movements, using its right hand like a cobra striking, it had grabbed the head and neck of the turtle, apparently killing it. The freakiest thing happened next. The Sasquatch lifted the turtle up, now holding it close to its face, turning both it and its own head around like it was examining its catch quite closely. Really bizarre looking to see. For what must have been several minutes, this weird exam went on, after which it lowered its arm and the turtle, walking out of the lake and into the woods. Thankfully, in the opposite direction of where I was. I, of course, had heard of Sasquatch in the many stories related to its being real or fake. But never did I ever in my wildest dreams think that I would see one for myself, and yet I had. I remember thinking to myself, why wouldn't it eat a turtle or anything else available for food? Heck, humans eat turtles, so why not a Sasquatch? What really impressed me the most was the immense size of this thing. I think it was two, in two feet of water where it was, and what was left above the surface of the lake had to have been at least six or seven feet. It had really thick arms and legs, and its face at a distance was black, more likely hair or fur covering it. I'm not certain they have much brain capacity for thinking as many people think they do. While watching it looking at the turtle, it reminded me of the statue of a chimp holding a human skull and looking at it in wonderment. It really did, in the moment, look quite stupid to me. <laughs> I love that stuff. What do you say about that, Kev? Man, that is wild. You know, and it makes sense, right? Here's this guy. What is he doing there? He's going there to catch fish. And every type of wildlife in the area that is interested in aquatic plants, fish, in this case, turtles, frogs, lizards, you name it, is going to know that that is a little grocery store, the lake. Mm. So why not? How many times have we heard of a Sasquatch being around a body of water? No, that's, I mean, where you're most likely to see them, right? If there's a most likely place, you definitely need some forest that joins up with a, a lake or a stream, etc. Sure, everything's got to drink water. Uh, there's nothing that has ha, doesn't have to get water from somewhere. And like when the foliage turns brown or things die off, if you're in that type of location regionally, uh, you're still going to need water and other stuff that you're scrounging up to eat. 
I know that animals like deer and stuff, they can extract some water from eating grass and green leaves and stuff, uh, plant life seasonally. But there does come a time uh, in these areas where, you know, that stuff kind of goes away. I mean, not entirely. You still have evergreens and uh, other stuff that may uh, survive through the winter months, but it becomes slim pickings. We do have to back up a little bit, though, Bill. Do uh-huh. you? I mean, have you ever seen a uh, snapping turtle? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you guys got them up there? Oh, absolutely. Okay, I never saw one when I lived up there, but it's been a long time. But we have them down here, and they're like three feet long, and the thing looks like a little dinosaur. Like, yeah, I mean, if you got three footers down there, that is enormous. They are enormous. And, I mean, long tail, long neck. And you see them coming, and they just scare the hell out of you. Yeah, you know no, they are nasty, and their shell has those points coming yeah, out of the side. Yeah, they got horns on them. I mean, it's like a little dinosaur. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And they don't fool around. They no, I mean, I'm I'm not kidding. Like if you saw one, like on the side of the lake or something like that. Once in a while, we see them in a the parking lot. Like they crawl up out of the lake into the parking lot. And it's like, man, you head the other way. Yeah. Well, listen. You get, let's just say uh, you get a three-footer like you see. There is a lot of meat in that thing once you oh, yeah. bust open that shell. I mean, you know, you can get your fill on that thing. Uh, and it makes sense that, you know, something would eat something like that. You oh, know? no doubt about it. Yeah. I mean, look at the seagulls down by the shore. They pick up a little green crab, fly up in the air and drop it to crack the shell and start pecking at the meat that's available inside, you know? So you're oh. saying these Bigfoot probably pick them up in the air and throw them up in the air like a Frisbee. Yeah. This big snapping turtle. Here you go. Take a little flight. Let's see how you look when you land. Yeah, snap this turtle head. Bam! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, I guess boy. that one wasn't a ninja. No, not a ninja turtle. <laughs> Now, but again, you know, uh, I've heard stories of moose. Uh, you know, we'll get back to that one from up in Vermont, man. That was incredible. Mm. Uh, where the couple was canoeing and they saw that moose in the shallows pulling up uh, vegetation. And that Bigfoot came out and got the jump on it. Yeah, and those moose are gigantic. Yeah, but apparently Bigfoot doesn't care. Mm-hmm. You know. Nothing's too big for them, man. How about that account we just did uh, the last time round of that uh, bull getting its head ripped off? Yeah, the Angus. Angus cattle. Oof. You know, and uh, a listener to the podcast was telling me one day, uh, prior to doing that, that if you put two bulls in the same, like, uh, field or whatever, you don't separate them. Uh, he said they will fight to the death. Oh, yeah, man, they are. They are some big creatures, too. Yeah, and he said that the the victor or the one that's getting the best of the other one will actually, in some cases, keep going at the, the, uh, the loser, even after it's dead, keep pecking at its head with its horns, trying to rip the head off of its body. Mm, nice. I mean, that is frick. Talk about vicious. A nice little bull. Yeah, like spear figure. <laughs> I'm going to get your liver, buddy. Trying to get the liver. 
<laughs> Have a little nosh. Yeah. So that's it, Kev. I mean, you talk about some creeps. Spearfinger and uh, Bigfoot having at it with a snapper in Lake Skookog in Ontario. Kitty up. You know, it's... This, you know, folks, uh, before I say anything else, if you've seen something, say something. You can get in touch with us at BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com and hit the contact button. Uh, and I'll get out. I'll reach out to you. I reach out to a lot of people. And uh, let me know what you've seen or experienced. You know, we'll have a conversation, you know. Uh, but there's a lot of things going on out there some of which are unexplainable, and other things are quite visual, uh, like running into a Sasquatch, uh, wherever you may be, which is why I always end the show with to, uh, the saying, always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. Because, friends, you run into one of these things, and you may be sorry that you did, and nobody's going to know that you were sorry because you're going to be a goner. So uh, I did a I did a podcast yesterday, Kev. I did a little uh, uh, podcast and uh, with some other people doing an interview. And I always repeat myself that you don't know the disposition of these creatures uh, when you come across them. Uh, so why take a chance? How could anybody assume? that something like this is not in the mood to harm you. I mean, it's ludicrous to me. Assume it at your own risk. Well, look at the moose, Kev. They come oh, yeah. mo- moseying across the field. Uh, uh, and they <laughs> hey, look like they're hey, going... that's a pretty good moose, by the way. Thanks. Uh, uh, and, uh, yeah, I'm part moose. And... Uh, they come moseying through the brush and everything, pushing the branches aside with their rack. And then maybe all of a sudden they say, hey, Kev, I don't like you here. And then they get the giddy app on. Now, I saw a moose running in a, a, a video clip on YouTube. And let me tell you something. This thing was covering ground and quickly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And uh, you're not going to escape. You'll be lucky if you could get to a tree to climb before it's on top of you. And what do you think is going to happen with a seven, eight foot tall, nine foot tall Bigfoot creature with a stride of five, six, seven feet running after you? You're not going anywhere, man. It's going to be on you like stink on you know what. And you're saying it's not a happy ending? No. <laughs> he might eat your liver and everything else. Giddy up. <laughs> yeah. Hello. <laughs> no, thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, great account, Bill. And yep. uh, this supersized Bigfoot in the lily pond picking up a giant snapping turtle and breaking its neck. Yeehaw. <laughs> nice little, nice little holiday tale. <laughs> <laughs> to follow up spear finger. Yeah. Twas the night before Christmas and all through the house. <laughs> not a creature was heard, not even a mouse. <laughs> oh, and we'll be getting to our interpretation of that poem in a few <laughs> yeah. weeks here. 
So you got that to look forward to. All right, Joe, we got some great listener mail this week. Awesome. So we're going to dive right in. The first email comes in from Denny from Missouri, home of the Missouri monster, Momo. Momo. And Denny writes in, hey, guys, great show. I listen every week. I live in southeast Missouri. I ran an auto parts route for nine years in Missouri at night, and a lot of it was very in very rural areas. Hmm. I drove through a lot of the Mark Twain National Forest. I never saw anything besides deer, wild hogs, and bear. I was always looking, though. Anyway, just wanted to say I really enjoy y'all's show. Keep up the good work. P.S. W.J., give Kevin a damn autograph book already. <laughs> Take it easy, guys. <laughs> By the way, Christmas is coming. That's right. <laughs> what was his name? Denny. Denny, and I hope after that come, man, the Bigfoot runs you off the road. Oh, boy, that's not <laughs> All right, and our next email <clears throat> comes in about an interesting book from Bud. And I, he says, I really enjoy listening to you both. And you have become a wonderful distraction from the craziness of everyday life. WJ, I first heard you, <clears throat> excuse me, late one night while sitting out at the fire pit listening to Wes's show, Sasquatch Chronicles. I love the way you shared others' encounters. I love the way you brought the creep. And I love the way you shared your faith. Uh -huh. Since then, I've been going through one episode after another, and I have come to love KJ as well. I am also a healthcare professional, and I travel between three hospitals in the area of northern Ohio. This allows me to listen to you both at least once a day, and I love it. I just finished listening to episode 144, and it caused me to recall a little Christian sci-fi paperback I read in the early 90s, called The Dwellers by Roger Elwood. It's been a while, but this is a quick synopsis of the story. And I never heard of this, Bill, this book, Dwellers. Uh -huh. Satan wanted to be like God, but since he could not create life, he decided to alter one of God's creations. And these altered creatures, the creatures in this book, oh, these altered creatures became what we would call Bigfoot. Just like the creature described in episode 144, the creatures in this book were lost in despair and sorrow. I don't want to give away too much more, just in case you want to give it a read. However, I will say that, just like in episode 144, this book also discusses Nessie. The book provides yet another possible explanation regarding the nature of these creatures and their elusiveness. Whatever the truth really is, it is quite compelling and a fun read. By the way, I prefer to listen to your books, WJ. It makes for a fun ride in the car. Anyway, just know that you have another happy listener here in Ohio, and I pray for much continued success for the both of you. God bless. <laughs> Thank you, bud. Yeah, kind of neat, Kev, you know? Yeah. Well, and by the way, the most important part of that letter to me is that, you know, Bud thanking us for helping him get through the craziness of everyday life. You know, we've heard that from 
a zillion of you folks writing in that, you know, when you have your challenges, listening to the podcast is a little bit of an escape. And we love to hear about that because it helps Bill and I keep going because it's not easy to put this podcast on every week when you're about 600 miles away from one another. And uh, we try to get it done. That's right. And we're busy ourselves. Yeah, we have other jobs. Yeah, with the cares of this world, right? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's it's great. It keeps us going to hear that. So keep keep the letters coming in. Keep the reviews coming in. And our last email from Nikki. And the subject is new Audible book series number 10. Hi, WJ and KJ. Thank you. Thank you. And another huge thank you on behalf of all of us Audible listeners who couldn't wait to hear the latest Bigfoot volume. Hurrah! You've made my weekend. I discovered your wonderful podcast last year when I was off work for six months. Still waiting for an operation, which should happen soon. As much as I like hearing about all the Bigfoot encounters, especially the scary ones... I really like when you talk about the religious element of encounters, such as the priest who was walking in the woods Mm. and St. Michael the Archangel, who Mm. spoke to a man at the petrol station. Yeah. I I would also love to hear about any angel angel encounters uh, when you have time to spare and go into them. Hope you have a great week ahead. And WJ, I said prayers for your friend Jerry. Hope that he's recovering well. Best wishes, Nikki. Awesome, Nikki. And Jerry is doing better, by the way. I talked to him. Uh, I called him on Thanksgiving, and uh, he's doing better. Uh, so thank you for that. And, of course, Jerry will never know unless he's listening to the podcast, which I believe he is. Uh, Jerry, see that? You got people out there you don't even know that are lifting you up in prayer. So, uh, And, Nikki, we're glad uh, that you like uh listening to the podcast and whatnot. And, you know, folks, pick up an audio book. And uh, a lot of people say that, you know, Kev, I got to step aside just for a second. When I first started going down this road and Casey, my book lady, and her husband, Doug, was saying to me, well, you know, Bill, you know, you're doing these books. You're going to want to do an audio book, too. And I was like a neophyte and I was still using a flip phone. And I looked at them like, yeah, yeah, audio book, yeah, I don't think so, you know, blah, 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 blah. Well, look at this. Uh, more people like the audio book than the paperback. So they were spot on in telling me that uh, many years back. Uh, but it's work, folks. It's time, it's effort, and it's work. And I don't mind putting the time in. I do. So go out there, show some support, buy an audio book or two, put them in your library, buy a paperback, uh, and uh, let me know that you like what we're doing here, you know? Yeah, and give them as gifts. Yeah, certainly. Give Kevin one. Yeah, no doubt. He's looking for an autographed copy, so just sign it and tell him you're WJ (laughs) and uh, send it on over to him. There you go. Put a little sketch of spear finger on the inside cover. Ooh, I'd like that, too. That's a bonus. <laughs> a little bit of blood dripping out of her mouth. <clears throat> Unbelievable. Well, Kev, is that a wrap? That's a wrap. Well, folks, another great podcast. Enjoy doing it. Glad that you're listening. 
And remember this, if you should find yourself walking through the Blue Ridge Mountains or anywhere else, Lake Skookog in Ontario, Canada, you best remember one thing, my friends. Always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. Sleep tight. <laughs>